Welcome to the Warrior Women Project podcast, helping you become a warrior woman, sort your shit and find better balance in your life. Welcome to another episode of the Warrior Women Project podcast. It is Warrior Women Jen here today and today I have with me Marita Moore who I met online through a business workshop networking course thing that we did over the period of a year and she has an amazing story that I wanted her to share on the podcast. So she is with us here today so welcome Marita to the podcast. Thank you, hi Jen. So why don't you not tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what it is you do in the world just now. Okay, um, cool. So my name is Marita Moore and I basically run a company called Lotus Fitness Academy, which is, um, we do lots of different things. So we do corporate fitness, we do we run boot camps, we run nutritional stuff, um, and we also train people um, how to do kind of beginner to um, sort of couch to beginner triathlons and marathons. So there's lots of different things in there. Yeah. You do triathlons yourself, don't you? I do. Yeah, it's one of my passions, but um, I'm not as good as I want to be. But I've I've literally got serious about it in the last two years. So, <laughs> so do you do that as competition or just for fun? No, I started off. I did my first one um, about four years ago. Now I did a sprint triathlon, and I've wanted to do it for years and years and years. And I've always put it. I've always never had the opportunity really to do it. Something's yeah. always come up. And made myself do one, and then I've never looked back. And that was for fun. But then the more that you do it, the the better you want to get at it. So it's like it is getting quite competitive now. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just chatting before we came on, and you have got a really interesting, fascinating, empowering story. Would you like to share that with the listeners today? Yeah, that'd be that'd be lovely to do so. Okay, so it's, it's a little bit of a sad story, really, in some aspects, but it's also quite empowering. Um, so when I was very young, um, I was quite horrendously bullied from uh, primary school, and this went all the way through to secondary school. Um, some of the reasons I think that I was bullied was because it was quite different, like I was dyslexic. Um, I didn't really... Um, I felt like I didn't really fit in with people because I like to do what I like to do. So I didn't really follow trends. Mm. Um, I kind of make my own trends. Um, and I think that's what probably made me stand out a little bit more, which probably led into being bullied. Um, it was so severe that at points, I mean, I had like bones broken. I had my face smashed into bone booths. And, so it was pretty horrific. So that's not um, just like schoolyard pointing fingers and seeing no it started off it did start off as name calling and pushing in corridors but it really progressed um and I think I mean we're going back kind of back um trying to think how old I am now so I'm 37 now so when I was at school it's quite a long time ago and um bullying wasn't really recognized I don't think people knew how to deal with it is probably the better term I think bullying's always gone on but in today's age, what happened to me, I hope anyway, would never happen that severely to anyone else mm. as easily as it did. Um, but back then, teachers didn't really know how to kind of work in this situation. Yeah. Because obviously, if you single the bully out, then that just made situations worse for me. Um, 
but there's ways of doing that kind of without making it worse as well so yeah. but um yeah so things were quite bad at school um, and then when I was um 13 I took um, an overdose and that was like um that was the first kind of first little nugget in my story I guess you could say because um when I did that it kind of it depleted me of myself that's probably the best way to describe it so when I came back from that um I, I actually um I told my mum what had happened later on that evening so I got taken to hospital and doctors did amazing stuff so I didn't obviously die because yeah. <laughs> I'm there today but and um, what it did do was it made me lose that sense of hope so I then kind of went on to um be a bit of a wild child <laughs> would be the best way to describe it yeah um, which included um you know I, I experimented with drugs and alcohol I put myself in really unsafe environments, which then led on to other things happening to me. Yeah. Um, so I was like at really, um, a really bad place in life, should we say. Um, however, there was also a couple of things that happened to me that kind of saved me. So um, number one, I got given an opportunity to go and work in children's services. Um and as a really messed up young adult, you wouldn't think somebody would give you that opportunity, but they didn't know how messed up I was. Yeah. And part of having that job was you had to go and train to be able to look after these really mixed up kids. So that was quite cathartic for me because I was able to, um, I guess, repair myself a little bit because I was learning how to repair these kids. So I had this happen. And then um, secondly, I also had um, a really massive support group came into play. So I got involved in the local community and the local fire station used to hold these sessions where they teach people how to box. And it's basically to get the kids off the street, but they became like such good mentors to me. So I then started to get a really positive support network around me. Um, and then lastly, I'd always kept my fitness. So I used to dance. Um, I used to do running and basically any kind of fitness. I just loved to keep active. So all this kind of stuff together really um, grew me as a person and helped me kind of become quite empowered. And when I look back at what my life had been, you know, from basically being homeless to having nothing to yeah. get into the place where I am today, it's come from those three things. So, yes, amazing. But after... You had come back from the overdose. Did you go back to the same school and have to deal with the same bullies, or was that kind of a line drawn under it at that point? No, um, no, it, it it got quite bad after that. I mean, there were several incidents, like um, where my GP was. One of the mums from the school actually worked there, and she must have seen my notes and told her daughter what happened. So it actually got around the whole school that done, and then that became. People didn't see it as in Marita's crying for help. People saw it as in, um, you know, that I'd, I'd asked for attention, I guess. So that kind of just, it was like putting fuel on a fire. Things things like, my, my whole um, school phase was pretty horrendous. <laughs> That's scary to think that that just kind of went unnoticed almost to a point. I don't think it went unnoticed. I think many people, there were some really amazing teachers at the school as well. There, there's a, like three specific teachers I can think of. Um, 
who did everything in their power to kind of make things as safe as they could be for me. But the people that I was dealing with, they'd, I mean, it went beyond school because they'd catch me walking out of the school to the bus stop or they'd wait for me coming into school. Um, so the school did make an effort to kind of um, fix things. But again, it was back in that age where there's, there's lots of stuff that's now put in place if there's a bully in a school. Yeah. I know this because I've worked with lots of charities around this area. Um, but back then, I think people were just guessing about the right way to deal with something. Mm. So, um, you know, but one thing I always say, and you know, particularly with your Warrior Woman campaign, um, every kind of little difficulty that you go through, and I, I didn't recognize this back then, believe me, <laughs> I did feel like, oh my God, the world owes me something. Why is the world a horrible place? Yeah. That's what I was feeling back then. I think as you get older and you develop, you kind of realize that actually every time that you've experienced something that's quite hard, it's like leveling up on a game. It trains you and it builds you up to be something more. So it's um, as much as some of those stuff were horrible, I guess if you said to me, would I change any of it? No, I wouldn't because it's made me a strong person as an adult. So, And you get to make a difference in people's lives now. Yeah, because... Investigate things. Because I, I think I can recognise, because of the areas I've worked in as well, I've been lucky enough to work within social services, so I've seen all kinds of different positions in this bullying circle. So I've seen why a bully bullies, and I've seen why a victim is a victim. And yeah, because I have that, it's like it's given me empathy for the whole circle. So whereas a lot of people would probably be quite mad that these kids have done what they've done you know looking back some of those kids had horrendous lives as well yeah. which is why they were kind of portraying stuff on to me so sometimes it's it's about looking at the bigger picture and I think when you do that it gives you the opportunity to fix things rather than expecting somebody else to um you know, sometimes you do need to ask for help and you know especially for anyone listening to this that has a child at school that's been bullied I would definitely encourage them to speak up um, but it's also about recognising what you can do in a situation. Yeah. So. so when you think back to those people that bullied you, did you mm -hmm. have empathy for the situations that they came from? Particularly at the time, no, because I just, I was that immersed in my own grief and self-pity. Yeah. Um, I couldn't take on board what they were thinking or feeling. Um, and, and particularly, I remember the emotion that followed me all the way through my school life was that I didn't belong in the world and it was me that was the problem. So it wasn't about thinking they were bad people as such. It was thinking I was a bad person. Mm. But then as you, um, I think the bit where empathy came is, is when you grow up and you develop as a person. So therefore you realize that actually, you know, we're all made up of these emotions and experiences and what's happened to us. And I don't think anybody in the world that's doing something cruel to another person is happy. They can't be. Because if you were a happy person, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. So it's like recognising that. Yeah. And have you been able to forgive them now? Yeah, kind of forgiven, forgotten as such. Um, and I know people say you never forget experiences, and you don't. You don't forget experiences, but... There was such a long time of my life where I held on to how much hurt they'd give me. Like, there was a, 
there was like a turn. So from where I went from, I didn't feel right in the world to where I started to realize I did have a place in the world. I was quite angry at that point that I'd been put through what I had. Um, then that's self-destructive. If you hold on to anger, that's self-destructive. Yeah. So it kind of is about, you know, perhaps forgetting the wrong word, but being grateful for the experiences that you've been around and putting them into use the best way you can. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important when something bad is happening and in the moment, it's not an easy thing to do, but when you can step back and you've survived it as such, you can look back and take the, take the best part of it out. So thankful one that you're alive but also the strength that that gives you to then deal with other things that come up yeah. as you go on in life and, it, and when you're in a situation where things aren't going to shit basically it's really really hard to do and when you see somebody else going through and you're trying to say to them you don't want to say to them oh it's all right you'll look back in this and go oh, yeah for it because that's kind of patronizing and condescending and not respecting the pain that they're going through but having that knowledge somewhere inside your heart to just go eventually this I'll be able to look back at this and go that happened for a reason to get me to where I needed to be to be able to Definitely. make a positive impact on the world because the anger just eats you up I recognize that in my clients as well see what I tend not to do I do offer support and I will guide but I try not to control where that's going because like you just said, if you tell somebody everything's going to be all right and they're in that moment of crisis, mm. they can't possibly, they can't comprehend what that feels like. Yeah. So it's about kind of showing them more than telling them. Um, and that's how I've always tried to live my life. I've always tried to show, like, I mean, it's only recently that I've actually opened up on my full story, but through doing that, it's like it's, if you let somebody in to see the crux of your life and where it came from and how, how you've developed, it gives them that inspiration that things can be really bad, but they can also become really good. So, yeah, it's definitely helped me evolve as, as a, you know, an instructor in what I do. So, yeah. What was the, do you remember when or what the first point was where you thought this is actually all going to be fine? So there were, there's two things I can think of in that. So number one, um, I can remember being sat there in my social work job in a place of power over children that, that have gone through horrendous things and sitting there thinking, oh my God, I'm actually able to deal with this in, in a mature and adult way and an empathetic way. When realistically, if you look at the person that I was, you would never have put that person in charge of these children, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that was a bit like, it kind of just dawned on me one day, sat there thinking, oh my God, <laughs> you know, like I've changed so much. And then the, the other time, um, I think it, this was almost when things revved up a little bit, um, is when my sister-in-law actually died and we're going back eight years ago now. And um, she, she died of cancer. It was really short how, how it happened. So she got a diagnosis and then four months later she was dead. And the whole process of it, um, watching your family grieve, you know, watching my brother lose his wife and my mum lose a, a friend because they were so close and, you know, seeing all the cracks that happen because somebody's gone. And then you realise that 
and you have your own grief in there as well to deal with but then you realize that there's so much sadness around something that actually it doesn't do anything it, it it's like um it's like a waste it's the best way i can describe it so for me i tried to find the positive things i could do in that situation yeah. and that made me sit back and think oh my god i've lost someone that i really care about and love and i'm thinking about the positive ways i can make this better and that must come from some form of emotional um growth or emotional maturity because it takes that to kind of recognize that something's so sad but you can make a positive out of it and you can make it you know for me it was about making the fact Lorraine wasn't with us um not a waste so for me that's about me going out and doing my triathlons or doing crazy things like cycling from London to um Paris yeah using my body in ways that people think are impossible because I'm trying to make the most of the life that I've got so that the person that I've known that, that's life, the light has gone out, yeah. um, isn't a waste. So that's my way of dealing with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's such a beautiful way to think about that. Because yeah. you can wallow in the sadness of things for too long. Yeah, and I think, don't get me wrong, because grief, grief is such a personal thing and everybody will deal with it in their own way. But I've watched grief destroy people as yeah. well. And it's, it's so important that you don't forget where you come from and who you are inside because that's life and that's living. And we are blessed to be alive. You know, yeah. some people don't get up in the morning. You know, some people have a time scale on what they've got left in life. And we haven't got that. So it's, it's about making the most of it. Yeah, making the most of every single day. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, you mentioned that all during even like the hardest times you still kept your focus on your fitness it was something that you yeah. never lost what sort of what was that like what sort of things were you interested in and what kept you going back to that so um I mean some of it was actually a form of self-harm I guess if you like to look at it in that way because another thing that I used to do I used to control what I used to eat so I used to want to look slim um and part of exercising was the fact that I knew I could exercise to look thinner. So some, some part of it was actually in an, a bit of a negative light, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, however, do you know that when something happens for a reason, I think even in those moments it happened for a reason because it was the one stability that I had from right from being a child when I used to do, you know, ballet classes at like as a three-year-old girl and um, throughout until... Um, you know, like now doing triathlons, it's the one thing I've been consistent in and it's like my safety net. It's like, um, it's like home, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's been the constant throughout my life. So it's always something. And if ever I felt upset or I felt negative, I have used exercise in negative ways and that, that went along with my kind of wild phase. <laughs> but I've also used it in extremely positive measures because when I've had really sad moments, instead of sitting in the house and dwelling over it, um, I might still have been really depressed, but I've got up and I've walked to the park and then I might have done a little bit of a run or as much of a run as you can do when you're depressed because it, it does affect you physically yeah. as well. Um, and that, it, it releases the serotonin, so then it helps with the mood, it uplifts it a little bit, so it makes it a little bit easier. So, you know, and, and also sometimes if you're just out and you're not running for a particular time or mileage or whatever it is, you're just running to clear your head, you know, it, it really helps kind of 
nudge away the negativity. Yeah. So it, it, it gives you a space to have something different there. And I think that's really important because in this day and age, we're so consumed by timescales and rotors and getting back for the kids and everything else. We don't have that space of time. So it's so important to find something that can give you a space of time. And for me, exercise has done that. So it's, it's almost like a, a meditation when you exercise is an open, I haven't yeah. seen a divorce. One thing that I couldn't wait to do was go and exercise, whether it was going to the gym yeah. or in a class, because that was my safe space where I didn't need to think about anything that was going on in the outside world. Yeah. Bubble of security. I, I come up with like my most amazing ideas when I'm doing my long runs <laughs> because you have to clear your mind to do the, what you're doing. But then also some of it as well is about filling your mind so that you're not worrying about how much your legs are hurting. Yeah. So you start thinking about really wonderful ideas and then, you know, that's where some of my best works come from or like problem solving your best solutions to problems come when you're out there for a long time yeah. doing something. Yeah, it just gives you that the headspace that you need to let the genius yeah. through. Yeah, and like I've had clients, I've had so many clients that have come to camp and they're not even doing exercise for a particularly long time. The sessions are never any longer than an hour. And they'll just say, as soon as they get there, we meet at the car and they'll go, oh, do you know, I don't even want to do this today or I've had a rubbish day. or And they just look really sad and more down or frustrated the end of the camp they're laughing and joking and they just feel so much better and they always say thank you because that's what it's done in an hour it's yeah. changed them from being like a really low point to being uh, I can do this point so yeah it's we don't appreciate all the positives like that exercise gives you for your mental health yeah no definitely not it's massively underestimated yeah. I mean part of um part of what I did at university, I did some research into um, depression and how we treat it with medication and what exercise can do for it. Yeah. And there's literally no side effects to exercise and there is to medication. Mm-hmm. So it's like we should be utilising it so much more than what we are. Yeah, yeah. And people's lives are so busy sitting at a desk. Yeah. Or sitting in the car or being on their phone. And it's like, I'm too busy to do exercise. And it's like, but you would get so much more energy, yeah. so much more life if you could just put the phone down. It's so hard to let somebody see that because often people are tired because they're not healthy or because they're not active. Yeah. Um, and if they could become active, they'd be less tired. But unless you can get them to be active, they're never going to see that. Yeah. And it is something, you know, people will come to camp and go, oh, I don't think I've got time for all the sessions because I do this, this and this. And by the end of it, they are doing all the sessions because they recognise that it's an hour that makes them have, you know, three or four extra hours in the day because they're more functional. Yeah. So it definitely is like, you know, that's part of, that's part of my mission at the moment to kind of get people to re- recognise that. But it's difficult as well because we like to get people to experience stuff so they can recognise it in themselves. Yeah, they need to, you need to be able to actually feel it yourself. Yeah. You have to feel it to believe it. Yeah, because yeah. often, I mean, the majority of the world looks upon me and the buds and, and they'll say this from all lots of life. Oh my God, you're a crazy woman. You're always doing this, this and this. You're always doing that event and this event. 
And when I get somebody come to camp initially, they'll probably say, oh my God, you're doing like all these events and it's like, I'd never be able to do that. You know, six months down the line, they're doing the events that I've done because it's not out of anybody's reach. It's, it's the potentials there. It's just how you look at it. And sometimes it is literally not looking at it as in, I'm not going to run like, you know, you say bolt <laughs> and do that kind of a time. Yeah. <laughs> I could do my own marathon in my own time. Yeah. So and don't like when you're pitching yourself into something, you know, when, and I think schools kind of encourage this a little bit, we kind of say to ourselves, Oh, to do this event, we have to do it in this time and we have to do it like this. And in this outfit as well, with this trainers and everything else. And it's like, stop, just, just do what you can do with what you've got. Yeah. Because that's how it, that's what leads on. If you think about the bigger picture, you're never going to get there. But yeah. you think about what you can do. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you're looking at the marathon or the triathlon go, and you're sitting on the couch and you've not done any exercises like that. Forget about that. Just get to yeah. class. Deal with that first half hour or first hour and then then build it up. Don't be saying yeah, I'm never gonna run whatever or take part in whatever. I mean, I I've come back from some pretty amazing things. I had um I had an operation last year, which led me to when I came out of hospital, I had six weeks before um, the Snowdonia Marathon. And if anybody's ever heard of that, it's the hardest UK marathon. I've never done, I'd never done a marathon at this point. Um, and I had six weeks. If somebody came to me and said, you've got six weeks to train me for a marathon, I'd have said, it's not enough time. <laughs> Can't possibly do that. Um, but something in me, so instead of thinking, right, I need to run this amount of time to do the marathon, I just ran like 10 minutes extra each time, each session. And eventually I did enough to get me, I'm not saying it was a brilliant time, but to get me around that course yeah. with using mindset and giving myself small little nuggets. And I knew I had to get the training in as well. You know, it wasn't a case of I rocked up on the day and I'd done nothing. I had put in as much as I can and, I, and it took me, you know, probably a lot more than what people that have a nine to five job could put in because you had to train quite a lot to get there. Yeah. But that, that's the key. Anything is possible if you're willing to put the time and effort in. And it is about that. And that's what I love about what I do for a living because I get to see people do what the people sat next to them in the office are saying, oh, that can't be done. And they do it. They go back with a medal and they're like, check this out. It's amazing. <laughs> Oh. Well, have you got a, a client that's had like an amazing success story that they've really been couch potato and have done something amazing? I've got like take your pick. Because <laughs> literally, um, there's not one single person at camp at present that has been with me, say, longer. Like the newbies are newbies. So the ones that have started prior to three months ago all have amazing stories to tell you from where they've come from to where they've got back. I mean, one because we've touched on mental health and obviously it's relevant to my story, one particular lady, um, Heather Mitchell, she came to camp, um, she signed up on a Monday and I didn't know her story when she signed up on Monday, but that weekend she'd been in A&E because she thought she was a risk to her own life, she was going to take her own life. Yeah. So she'd gone into A&E, they'd released her on the Sunday, she'd signed up on Monday um, she was scoring really high on the, um, there's a test they do to see how depressed they'd class a person. And she was scoring, um, you know, incredibly high on this scale. 
And within three months, three months later, she came to camp. She listened to what we advised her to do. She took on a lot of mindset work that we did with her as well. Because what I did notice, although I didn't know her story, I noticed when she came to camp, she had no confidence. Um, she found it really difficult to kind of talk in the group or kind of um, join in with the fun and the laughter that was going on, I guess. Yeah. So it was about recognising that and bringing her into it and involving her in it. Um, and then three months later, she actually went back to her, uh, her doctor, her own GP, and she had this test done and she actually scored as not being depressed at all. So now Heather recognises that she has to manage depression. It's not like she doesn't have it. She yeah. does. Um, but she knows when it's, she, she recognises the signs of when it's coming on and she knows exercise works for her. Yeah. So, you know, and to me, seeing somebody sat in a place where I was, where you think life isn't worth going on for. So three months later, classing yourself as, you know, somebody that, that's not feeling those emotions yeah. is incredible. It's phenomenal. That's and that's part, that's part of her journey that, you know, as much as we bring stuff to the table and we show people how to do it, it is about what they put back in as well. So, you know, all credit to Heather for that one. Um, and then possibly a different story to you. Um, we had... Um, trying to pick out between there's so many different ones <laughs> but I had a lady called uh, well I still have a lady called Max and she came to me and she'd never run anything in her life she did couch to 5k because she was quite interested in doing part run um, and then she signed up with us she lost a lot of weight um, prior to coming to us um, and she's still on a weight loss journey she's got quite a bit to lose um, and she took on board all the stuff that we were helping her with and then decided to do part one, which she did. And we helped her through that. And then she asked me, could she do a, um, a 10K? I want that as my goal, a 10K. So she did this 10K. Within three months of her starting to train for the 10K, the friend that she'd met at camp was doing a, mar um, a half marathon and like three months later. And on the three-month mark, she turned around to me, she said, I want to do that half marathon with my friend I've been doing the training yeah. that you've been telling me because she'd been out training with her friend as well yeah um three months later she completed half a marathon not the fastest time but for somebody for three months ago couldn't run at all yeah you know that's pretty amazing and it was the self-belief that went for it because she she was able to walk back and tell the people that she sits with at work well actually you know when you told me that I can't run you're wrong here's my model <laughs> So, you know. So empowering when you get to go and give people the doubters. Yeah. The fingers and be like, look what I can do. But see, and we really encourage that because yeah. you should be encouraging people to be what they can be, not saying you can't do something. Yeah. But I'll take, because I've had that most of my life, I'll take that as fuel and I'll just fuel my ambition with it, if you like. Yeah. So, you know, when I set up Lotus... The, the thing that I got told our friends and family was people do not set up a business with no money. It doesn't happen. You get born into a business and, or you have, you know, you, you don't get given it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm going to get a business. So I did, <laughs> you know, and no, I wasn't handed it on a plate. And yes, it did take working 24 seven sometimes. Yeah. But I was prepared to do that just to, just to show people you can do that. Yeah, I think people that are 
that are doubting you and saying, oh, you can't do that, that says a lot about them and their mindset about where they are in life. It's not just about you. Definitely. And that, do you know what? That's been a massive lesson for me throughout life because to recognize when somebody's being not very nice to you or doubting you and to be able to turn that back and think that says more about you than me um, is amazing because then you can go off and not think about them in a negative light. You know, so now, like my perception of somebody that will doubt me is almost sympathy for where you're at in your particular life. And I hope you get to the bit where I'm at because it feels amazing. Yeah. And your negative isn't going to take away my positive. <laughs> but I'm going to be positive because I know if I'm positive, it's, it's like a bright beacon, isn't it? Yeah. It leads the way. So. So where is it that you hold your pod, eh, your podcasts? No, this is a podcast, your book camps. <laughs> where is... Yeah, where are your book camps? So my book, I'm in the Stockport area. So we're all around Stockport. Uh, we do the online stuff. Um, that's kind of all over. Yeah. Um, not necessarily just Stockport. Um, so yes, that's where we're from. Cool. So if somebody wanted to check out your online stuff or even wanted to check out your Stockport stuff, where would they find your details? So the best place to probably find us, um, if they go to the Instagram, so Lotus Fitness Academy, yeah. um, simply because we have loads of videos of what camp do, so they can kind of get an idea of what camp do. Um, Facebook, Lotus Fitness Academy again, we have videos on there, so you can see what we do and we give lots of content away for free. Um about where you're at on your personal journey. So, you know, if someone's maybe not interested even in joining somewhere at the moment, but they wanted to know what people do to get from being not fit at all to fit, um, there's lots of little nuggets on the Facebook one. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, there's the website. So that's www.lotusfitnessacademy.co.uk. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, and I'd love to hear from people um, to where they're at on their little journeys as well. Yeah, well, I'll put all those links in the show notes so that people can easily follow you and find you to be able to get in contact with you. Um, That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this that your parts of your story will really resonate with them and they'll be inspired by it. So I want to thank you so much for your time today, Marita, for being on and sharing that story. It's from total heartbreak to happiness for sure yeah well thank you thank you for letting me share it I mean it has taken a long time to have the courage to share it and I've only started doing that in recent years but um you know this is it's like part of my little mission to be able to share so that people can see you can be here and even when things feel like it's really dark there's always light at the end of the tunnel if you look for it yeah yeah no definitely so if anybody wants to reach out to Marita, check out the show notes to get her Instagram or Facebook or website so that you can reach out to her. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Jen. Great to talk to another warrior woman. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. It's always lovely to be able to share 
information with you. Now, if you want to check out what's going on in the world of Warrior Women Project, come and join us over on Instagram. We are at Warrior Women Project or check out the website for any workshops, events and retreats that I have going on. And as always, if you can pop over to iTunes just to give us a review, five star review would be amazing if you love these podcasts. If you're on SoundCloud, give us a little heart share the podcast with anyone that you think that may benefit from hearing anything that we have to share in any of these podcasts so thank you so much for your time and your feedback and your energy much love and I will speak to you on the next podcast